What's up, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of Digital Downtime, the podcast that talks everything gaming. My name is Prince Gill, aka Gilly, aka a bunch of other nicknames. I've been gaming since I was about two or three years old. Currently, I'm 29, so yeah, we've been gaming for a little while, so I decided, hey, why not make a podcast about it? Uh, in today's very first episode, we'll be discussing the Game Award nominees for 2023, uh, which games deserved it, which games didn't deserve it, which games got omitted. Uh, obviously, the bigger focus is going to be on the Game of the Year nominees, so we'll have a thorough discussion about that. Following that, we will have a, have a segment called, Have You Played This? Uh, in this segment, which will be every week, we will be exploring you know, kind of games that are hidden gems, you know, diamonds in the rough sort of thing. So stay tuned for that. But I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy. And thank you for joining me on my very first episode. All right, Game of the Year 2023, Jeff Keighley and his committee team obviously had the work cut out for them this year. What a year. And if you're not on board with that as a gamer, you're clearly not expanding your horizons, trying different things out, maybe on a single console. But whatever the case might be, it's been a wild year. So the six games... That were chosen. Alan Wake 2 by Remedy. Baldur's Gate 3 by Larian Studios. Marvel Spider-Man 2 Insomniac Games. Resident Evil 4 Capcom. And then Super Mario Bros. Wonder. And The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Both by Nintendo. So let's first off start with Alan Wake 2. Because when this game's release date got announced i told people hey alan wake 2 is going to be a game of the year type of game people were like nah man it's remedy's first time in survival horror the you know the year is too stacked blah 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 what did i tell y'all motherfuckers man listen remedy's been doing their thing for a while their last game control was also nominated for game of the year back in 2019 uh, you know, Quantum Break was an interesting game. Still had some interesting ideas. Obviously, the original Alan Wake. We have Max Payne 1 and 2. Like, Remedy knows what they're doing, man. And from what I've seen and heard about the game, I have not personally played it yet. Uh, but to me, Game of the Year is sort of something that pushes the medium forward. And Alan Wake 2, from a storytelling perspective, seems exactly that. Uh, in terms of blending, you know, real life cinematography with in-game cutscenes, well, with the narrative between both perspectives between the cop and Alan Wake himself, I think it provides some very interesting uh, narrating. And obviously, I saw the iconic scene. Uh, that's about the only spoiler I got from the game, with the with the music set piece. I'm gonna keep it at that. Uh, and obviously the gameplay, very uh, current, you know, RE2 
remake forward kind of survival horror over the per over the shoulder third person type but it looks good you know obviously it sounds good the storytelling is on another level so i'm not surprised alan awake 2 is nominated and honestly it's one of my bets to win i doubt it will uh, but out of these six games i have three bets alan awake 2 is one of them uh, so I'll make sure to get to play it soon. I know on PC it's only on the Epic Game Store since they published it, uh, but it's also a reduced digital price compared to consoles. And I just recently upgraded my rig, so we'll be picking this up very soon, and then I'll have my full thoughts on it on a later episode. Secondly, we have Baldur's Gate 3, uh, which I'm going to say now is probably the undisputed game of the year. If anything's going to win it from this uh, from these listed games, it's going to be Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, the thing about Baldur's Gate 3, like I mentioned, you know, Game of the Year being something that pushes the medium forward. Um, you know, CRPGs are obviously RPGs that have been around for a while, you know, since the 90s and whatnot. Um, and it's definitely a genre that has a lot of love and passion behind it, dedicated fan base. And I don't think the critical reception of Baldur's Gate 3 surprised anyone. Because, you know, if you know Larian Studios, if you played Divinity, Divinity Original Sin 1 or 2, you know what they're capable of and whatnot. And if you know anything about Baldur's Gate, obviously Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, shout out to Bioware in their prime days. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a renowned uh, RPG. And uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is no different. Probably have the best CRPG developer in the game uh, getting the Baldur's Gate license. And look what they got. So the critical reception doesn't surprise me. What did surprise me is the amount of players that actually play this. Um, you know, the Steam charts went crazy. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I swear it was close to about half a million concurrent players for this game around release date or that first week. Uh, you know, you guys can obviously fact check me and prove me wrong. But the amount of players was surprising, and I'm glad it got amount, that many amount of players because obviously CRPGs and just RPGs in general deserve a lot of love. Um, and the amount of love and passion the team put behind this game, the amount of polish... The amount of care, the amount of attention to detail, you know, the, the gameplay that makes you think, you know, all these intricate stories and pathways you can take. Um, like Alan Wake 2, this isn't a game I haven't been able to get a chance to play yet. If I'm going to be honest, I know this might ruin my credibility a bit, but the only game I actually have played on this list is Tears of the Kingdom. So when we get to that, we'll talk about that in more detail. Uh, but I rest assure you, I'll be playing all these games. You know, I have a PC, I have a Switch, and I have a PS5. So, I will get to it. Just give me time, please. Um, but Baldur's Gate 3, if anything's going to win it, definitely them. Um, and it's a big achievement, uh, what Larian Studios have accomplished, because um, they're self-published, self-developed. Uh, technically, they're not AAA developer even, so I'm surprised Baldur's Gate 3 isn't uh, nominated for Best Independent Game. Uh, we'll get to that category in a bit, though. But, um, yeah, if anything's going to win it, it's that, I think. Or I hope so. Third game on the list, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Uh, to me, this was a game I was supposed to get day one, no-brainer. Uh, but after seeing more about it, obviously, I held off for a bit. And I think I will still get it soon. I don't see any of the game coming down for any Black Friday deals or Boxing Day deals here in Canada. Maybe it will and I'd be surprised. Um, just the only reason I didn't get it day one is just because... Obviously, it's very similar to the first game. But, you know, before you come attacking my throat... Um, obviously, sequels built upon the original. 
but you know they took the original Spider-Man game and they took Miles Morales and they kind of meshed it together. Obviously, we have an expanded New York, which means it's the it's the previous map but expanded upon, right? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They added uh, Brooklyn and a few other districts, yes. Um, but obviously, Insomniac Games are Sony's PlayStation's heavy hand right now. Um, you know, if you look at what they've done for the PS5 so far, they obviously did the Spider-Man Remastered and Miles Morales. And they did uh, Ratchet and Clank. And, man. <sighs> Ratchet and Clank rift away, rift apart. Sorry, I'll pull up the name here. But uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, such a phenomenal game. It is Rift Apart, so I was right. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was so amazing. And, you know, I did enjoy Miles Morales as well. Then I played the original Spider-Man on PS4. But nevertheless, Insomnia Games have been able to master this PS5 hardware, the PS4 hardware. I mean, they were just mastering PlayStation for a long time now. And um, obviously, they deserve everything to get to them. Um, obviously if you love this game, you love it. If you're going to hate on it, cause it's being too similar, you're going to hate on it. Uh, but nevertheless, they, they built, they expanded upon what made, uh, the original Spider-Man Miles Morales great. And they made this, you know, kick-ass superhero game. Um, obviously the web singing around the city is like the most fun part, the most unique part about these games, uh, the fluidity of it all, the, the fact that, you know, it's smooth, it's stable at 60 frames, um, you can switch between the protagonists whenever you want, which I think is super cool on the fly. Obviously, some of the missions are mission-specific to either Peter or Miles. Uh, but regardless, it's just it's just a huge love project. Obviously, any fan of Spider-Man or superhero games or fan of the Batman Arkham games was going to enjoy this. Um, so a huge shout-out to Insomniac for keep doing what they're doing, for being uh, PlayStation's main dev, really. Just uh, keep pushing these things out. Um, I'm excited for them that their next game is going to be the Wolverine uh, because we will be getting another Marvel game produced by Insomnia Games. Um, but it'll be something different and it'll be interesting to see how they tackle Wolverine compared to Spider-Man. Uh, but everything they've been doing with Spider-Man, obviously they've been nailing out the park. So, glad to see it. Just don't think it's going to win it. Next, we have Resident Evil 4 by Capcom. And the immediate uh, response I saw to this on Twitter, or X, sorry, and uh, you know how gamers go is saying our uh, remakes don't deserve to be uh, Game of the Year contenders. And that's kind of an interesting conversation to have because I think remakes very well so can be Game of the Year contenders, depending on how much they uplift the game. Um, and I argued this back even in 2019 uh, when Resident Evil 2 Remake didn't get nominated and the reason I reference back to Resident Evil 2 Remake is because I felt like that was the remake to, to, to create the blueprint for future remakes. Because they didn't just like touch up the graphics and, you know, release it like how Capcom did RE1. They took RE2, they gave it this crazy, um, you know, visual overhaul as expected because the RE engine is nuts. Uh, but they completely changed the way the game plays you know they made it over uh over the shoulder uh third person and um everything from just the visual design to the audio design uh to you know all the cutscenes redone and the voice acting and just the atmosphere of it 
getting to play it through as Claire and Leon. And then you play as, you know, the little girl. I'm forgetting your name in Claire's part. And then, you know, uh, Ada during uh, Leon's playthrough. And then just, you know, all that added together, I think was kind of the blueprint of like, okay, this is how you're supposed to remake a game. It's almost like a reimagining, right? And obviously they dropped the ball a bit when they did the RE3 one. Uh, but I think with RE, RE4, they re, they did it again, uh, where the game just feels so fresh and brand new. And, you know, obviously the, first, the original RE4 is such a legendary title. And it's such an influential title, just to, just not not just to survival horror, uh, but just the third person genre in general, uh, with you know what the game was for that time era back in 05. And I always argued that Resident Evil Four and then Gears of War in two thousand six, following it, uh, both games are detrimental uh, to the third person shooter genre, and I'll always stand by that. So. Uh, you know, I think very much so it deserves to be the nod here. Um, obviously we're going to discuss about games that got omitted, uh, that some people thought maybe should have took place of it. Right. Um, but like I said, in terms of pushing the medium forward, you took it already classic and added more to it, modernized it. And this is a result you get. Um, and obviously, you know, it started off 2023 with the big bang. Uh, we had RE4 and rightfully so the Dead Space remake as well. Obviously, another great one uh, to kind of kickstart off the year. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. Like, again, I don't think this is one of my picks, like I said, to win. Uh, so far, it's Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I think the conversation for remakes should be there, you know, and, and when they actually, you know, try to reimagine or reinvent the game. Um, obviously, the discussions to be had with, like, how Naughty Dog remade last of last of us one and i heard reports today that they're remaking last of us two for the ps5 um but i think i'm going to share that naughty dog conversation for a future episode because i have a lot to say about them i really do um coming from someone who highly re respects them and you know think you know and that's why i keep referring to insomniac as uh, playstation's main powerhouse now because i don't think it's naughty dog anymore just in terms of what they've been outputting for the PS5 as of late. But like I said, that's a conversation for another episode. But RE4 deserves to be here for sure. Um, and then the last two games on the list are both Nintendo. And it doesn't surprise me. Uh, the first one is Super Mario Bros. Wonder. And uh, I'll be picking this up soon. I think, you know, uh, Nintendo offers those little voucher things where you can, you know, get two games for like whatever the price is a Canadian obviously is cheaper than like 80 bucks each or whatever the case may be. Um, I think I'm going to be using it. Last time I used it, I got Tears of the Kingdom in uh, Xenoblade Chronicles. I think I'm going to pick up another voucher and uh, pick up Super Mario Bros. Wonder and the Super Mario RPG remake that just came out. But nevertheless, that's not talking about Super Mario Bros. Wonder being a Game of the Year nominee. Um, everything I've seen about this game looks fant magnificent, fantastic. Um, obviously 2D Mario games were kind of not reinventing the wheel or becoming too samey for the past decade. Uh, obviously on the th 3D front, I thought Odyssey is possi possibly maybe the best 3D Mario game. Obviously that's going to spike a lot of conversations. Um, cause obviously, you know, the beloved one is always going to be Mario 64. There's, you know, obviously Galaxy 1 and 2 that are also great. Not great, fantastic to be, to be frank. Uh, but I thought Odyssey was really special. 
it's kind of ironic to me because in 2017, you know, you had both uh, Mario Odyssey and uh, Breath of the Wild nominated for Game of the Year. Um, and now you fast forward to 2023, and now we have another Mario game, a 2D platformer this time, um, and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom nominated. Uh, so that was uh, the Switch's first year in 2017. And then now six years later, um, if Nintendo is planning to release new hardware for 2024, uh, they're definitely going out 2023 with the bang. And uh, I think I think what makes uh, Super Mario Bros. Wonder super cool is obviously the level design is top notch as you expect from Nintendo in a 2D Mario game. Um, but it's just, it's 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 the wonder modes, right? When when it, when the game goes like on an LSD trip, um, and the fact that they had new power ups such as like you know becoming an elephant and whatnot. Um, I think it's just the little things Nintendo always does with these long lasting franchises, whether it be Zelda or it be Mario or it be like Metroid or you know Mario Kart. You know, obviously these are long, long, long running franchises, but it's these little things that they do, um, and I think they. They experimented enough with this game to finally make something that pushed the medium forward, that pushed 2D Mario to something new. Um, and then obviously, I think they took a note from Celeste's uh, handbook, you know, how Celeste had like A, B, C sides. Um, I know this game has something similar where there's like tougher challenges, tougher variations of same levels and whatnot. Um, so obviously, there's always going to be room for casual gamer to play 2d mario but there's enough here for a hardcore gamer who really wants that you know platforming challenge here to be accessible and uh as much as i love 3d platformers i think 2d platforming really offers that challenge um long as you have the level design to back it up to really make things challenging and to make make things very satisfying um you know celeste was the same way very satisfying to beat those levels and i know while uh cuphead is more like a running gun 2d platformer still it's just because it's in that 2d kind of space um it just makes them completing them so much better so, so shout out to nintendo uh for doing something crazy uh, with the 2D Mario franchise and doing doing something in the past decade to really push it forward. Uh, so another well-deserved one, I think. Um, and that brings us to Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, as much as praise I gave to Wonder, you know, I still need to play it. Uh, my third pick is going to go to Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, so we have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, and Tears of the Kingdom. And out of those three, I think it's going to be Baldur's Gate 3. We'll see. Uh, the reason I gave it to Tears of the Kingdom because... How should I describe Tears of the Kingdom? Tears of the Kingdom is like, once you play Tears of the Kingdom, it's so hard to go back to Breath of the Wild. But at the same time, if you played Breath of the Wild, you've kind of played Tears of the Kingdom. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but hear me out. So Tears of the Kingdom is like Breath of the Wild, but with every quality of life upgrade you would want to the gameplay. Now, in terms of visuals... I'm going to be just straight up here. I don't think much has really changed since Breath of the Wild. And obviously, you know, the the, the Switch hardware is outdated. It uh, doesn't mean the game looks bad or anything. It's just in terms of the graphic impression and how the world looks. And obviously the frames and how they can dip. And obviously it's not steady 30 and whatnot. Very similar to Breath of the Wild. Obviously the music and whatnot, very similar as well. But... um what makes Tears of the Kingdom a better, better game? Well, like, you know, a sequel is supposed to improve on the previous game. So what it improves on is Breath of the Wild is just the gameplay. 
and the creativity of the gameplay is what I think stands sets stands sets Tears of the Kingdom above it because without that creativity, this game would not have done well because it's too similar to Breath of the Wild in terms of the grand scheme of things. You know, in terms of story, you know, this time you get four traditional temples instead of, you know, the four divine beasts. Thank God for that. Um, but, you know, still like each element you got to bring down, then you got to fight Ganon and et cetera, et cetera, right? You, you get the drift. But the fact that you can use the abilities to fuse any weapon you want, fuse, do all these wild combinations, put, to, put together pieces so you can go from point A to point B, uh, put together things so you can, like, you know, do a shrine. Um, put together things so you can traverse this huge open world. And dep- every player might do it differently, man. To cross a river, you know, you might build a raft with just, like, a rock and just ship over there. Or you might build an intricate raft, uh, you know, raft with some fans on it. You know, you might even just, like, shoot yourself up somehow and just, like, glide over. Or, like, you know what I mean? The, the, the creativity is endless there. And, you know, obviously you use all these abilities, right? Whether it's, like, Recall, or it's Fuse, or it's Ultra Hand, or it's the... I think it's called Upheaval. I forget I'm forgetting the name of it, where you can, like, jump through the... Uh, port through the walls by looking up, right? So, like, that makes uh, vertical tra- tra- traversing so much better and exploration so much better. So the fact that they have all that in there, and the fact that they have, like, the mainland, the depths, and the sky, you know... Uh, uh, pieces and temples and whatnot i think adds a lot more to the gameplay overall um but aside you know and it's but aside from that obviously that's a lot added to the gameplay front uh but aside from that like the overall feel of it's still very similar to breath of the wild right so i think if you weren't a fan of breath of the wild you may not be a fan of tears of the kingdom however um if you're a fan of breath of the wild you're probably gonna like this and I know there's some people that skipped out on Breath of the Wild, but, you know, I, I know some people that skipped uh, Breath of the Wild and they got to play Tears of the Kingdom, and really you're playing the superior version because of those gameplay uh, updates and enhancements. So, I think for those reasons alone, and obviously the impact uh, The Legend of Zelda has now on Nintendo as a whole, Breath of the Wild kind of changed the park for them. Obviously Zelda's Legendary Series always been a critic critically uh received well uh but i think obviously breath of the wild just shot up what the switch is in terms of sales and whatnot and then tears of the kingdom you know whether you're saying 20 mil units in four months which is wild uh that's why uh, i'm gonna have my pick on this one um but like i said all six uh it's it's a solid solid list for game of the year but i'm gonna go with Baldur's gate 3 overall so obviously these are the games nominated but obviously there's some games omitted and it's 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 been a crazy year right and obviously some people are mad that Starfield wasn't nominated uh you know Xbox's biggest release Starfield shouldn't have been nominated um that's a game I actually played from start to finish and actually no lifed for a while I think I, I think I put to close to 50 hours on that game in about 2 weeks uh, cause it did hook me, you know, obviously it being on the game pass helps. So I just got one pat one month of game pass and hopped onto it. Um, and I was still unemployed. So I ran through this game. Um, I did a shit ton of side quests. Um, I did all four faction quest lines, obviously the main story. 
and a lot of other things. And it's just not a game that deserves Game of the Year nomination. And I'm not hating on it. I think it's a good game. I just don't think it is what Xbox and Bethesda needed to like home run or hit out of the park considering the stiff competition this year. Um, if I were to give it a rating, I'd probably give it like a 7. Uh, 7.5 if you know I really want to be generous. Um, and it's just simply because it's just not enough. You know, the... The, the game has too many menus, too many loading screens, and because they focused on making it this big, grand game, the fact that you have to use these menus to just like go from planet to planet, place to place, makes it feel minimal. Makes it actually feel more minuscule in nature, if that makes sense. Like, they went for grand, but it actually feels more little than all their previous games because of that reason. And don't lie to me, man. You guys are fast traveling everywhere, okay? That's just how it works in that game. You're not actually flying to every fucking place. So stop lying. Um, so I think just because of that alone, the scale of it feels so little compared to every Bethesda game, even though it's supposed to be the grandest. It just doesn't make sense to me on how that's exciting, right? Obviously, the space exploration was supposed to be such a hard, huge part of the game, and it isn't because it's all through menus and just holding screens and fast travels. And... That's not knocking the game completely. Obviously, I'm still giving it a 7, 7.5 um, because surprisingly, it ran really well uh, on PC. So you got to give it nods for that because, hey, never know nowadays with AAA devs and PC games. Um, and it had its typical Bethesda glitch and bugs, but not as many as I was expecting, which is also great. And yeah, you know, some of those faction storylines were actually a lot of fun. Um, I think I liked, uh, oh no, I'm forgetting the names of it now. Uh, you know, the Ryujin, right? I think was it was what it was. Had some interesting stuff in it. Obviously, uh, the Crimson Pirates or Crimson Fleet double agent stuff was fun. Uh, the Free Star Collective was okay, but you get some good rewards of it. But I really did enjoy the Vanguard one uh, with the Terra Morphs and stuff like that. Very, very cool there. Uh, so I think the faction storylines are fun. I think some of the side quests are very cool as well. Um, obviously the customization on the ship and whatnot is dope too. And, you know, the weapons and stuff are kind of fun. Obviously the game gets a bonus point just for having a Doring fan in it. Um, and I like how like the trade to pick kind of actually play into the game. Um, but the main story to me just kind of was bland. It was repetitive. You just get artifacts over and over. And without spoiling too much, the new game plus system, the game isn't, revolutionary enough or like oh my god enough in terms of a narrative standpoint to be like wow they did something really crazy um so i think because of the lack of space exploration in a kind of mid main storyline and i know but the games aren't always about the main storyline okay prince haha what a shitty fucking take before you come on my throat i know it's not the main point of the fucking bethesda games but man the main storylines are still enjoyable it was enjoyable in oblivion it was enjoyable in skyrim main storyline was enjoyable in Fallout 3, even 4, and it was really enjoyable in New Vegas, and I know that's not a Bethesda game, but still, you get my drift. So, don't give me that shit, alright? So because of that, that's why Starfield is not getting nominated for Game of the Year. Deal with it. Uh, Diablo 4 is another big one. I don't have much to say about it other than I played the beta. I thought it was fun. The actual game came out. I did not get it. Obviously, Blizzard, in typical fashion, made some updates and whatnot that people weren't happy with. Not happy with the post game and whatnot. Okay. 
if there's something more the viewers can add to, like why Diablo 4 should be uh, game of the year, by all means, go for it. Uh, typically, you know, these ARPGs don't get that nod. But uh, that's what I have to say about that. Maybe I'll pick up Diablo 4 in the future, you know, when it's cheaper and stuff. I would still like to play through it. I think it'll be fun for like a first run sort of thing, you know. But um, that, was, that was one that was obviously noticeably omitted. Uh, another one is Final Fantasy 16. Um, I think Final Fantasy 16 could have been here instead of maybe Spider-Man 2 or the RE4 remake. Maybe. Um, but then, um, you know, we already got a lot of people saying that Jeff is just a Nintendo fanboy, Sony fanboy. So imagine if he had... Uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, FF16, Wonder, and Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, two Nintendo exclusives and two Sony exclusives, along with Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3. People would be really mad. Especially the Xbox fanboys. And uh, that's not a shot at Xbox fanboys. I think console fanboys in general are just stupid. But that would have been funny. Um, I haven't got a chance to play it myself yet. Um, obviously, I think just from a grand scale... It, it, it just looks like an epic, you know, like an epic tale is very grand characters and theme and large fights and whatnot. But, um, for some reason, it just didn't get what Square Enix expected the game to get in terms of critical reception and sales and whatnot. Um, so obviously those three are the biggest ones, FF16, Starfield. And Diablo 4 obviously had the most to say about Starfield because it is one of the new releases that I went through the most. Um, and then there's another game, uh, not just from the Game of the Year nominations, but just overall omitted from any category at all, is Hogwarts Legacy. And obviously, I think it's because of all the controversy when the game came out. Uh, obviously, this is not something I'm going to touch too much into detail because we kind of all know... Uh, the controversy surrounding one Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, hundreds and hundreds of devs worked on the game. And, you know, my friends that have played it, enjoy the game. I think they, you know, they said they captured the Hogwarts, uh, you know, world very cool. And I always said it would be cool to make a game kind of in that Harry Potter world, but not actually Harry Potter. And I've been saying this for years, even before uh, Legacy was announced. And then when they announced it a while back, I was like, oh, they're actually doing it. And then it actually came out and I was like, wow, they did it. Um, and this is all, you know, controversy, you know, politics or whatever you want to call it aside. You know, game of the year, sure, it's been a stacked year. Um, definitely there was other games, or other games, sorry, other categories that it could have been included with for sure. Uh, so sad to see that omission. Uh, but other than that... Other than Starfield, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, maybe Dead Space Remake as well, if we're going to throw RAP 4 in the combo. What other games you think should have been nominated for Game of the Year? Let me know in the comments on YouTube, or, you know, DM me on Twitter, or whatever the case might be. And I don't know if you can leave comments on Spotify or Apple. I don't know how podcasts work in that regard, considering it's my first episode. Uh, but however you can... You can reach out to me, um, you know, digital da uh, digital downtime podcast at gmail.com as well. Let me know what you guys think should have been added for game of the year. What would you remove? What would you kept the same? What would you have added? Please, please let me know. 
And next, we're just going to go into the remaining categories. All right, so we're going to do the rest of the categories a little bit quicker. Obviously, wanted to have a more thorough discussion about Game of the Year. Uh, the next category is Best Game Direction, and we have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Wonder, and Tears of the Kingdom. Sounding very similar. So that's going to be the case for many categories here. Uh, I'm going to go with Alan Wake 2 for this one. Like I said, I think it just pushes the medium forward in terms of video and audio design. It's pretty straightforward there. Next category as we load up on this page. Best Narrative. Uh, we have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Final Fantasy 16, and Marvel Spider-Man 2. Now listen, I'm going to be a little biased on this one. Uh, Phantom Liberty is actually another game I just played recently. And, uh, you know, without getting too much into it, uh, the original game back in 2020 for Cyberpunk was something I was thoroughly disappointed with. And not just from the bugs, glitches perspective, uh, but just the overall narrative perspective. And, you know, for it being, you know, the most hyped Western RPG and be something so genre pushing and, you know, groundbreaking, it really wasn't. It really just felt like a, a looter shooter. Um, obviously, you know, you can make decisions and whatnot, but it really wasn't like that immersive, uh, you know, choice making, you know, making you think kind of role playing experience I was expecting. And I decided to give Phantom Liberty a try because of all the great things I heard about it. And, you know, it was decently priced. And let me tell you, man, for the price, you get the bang of your buck because I, I spent probably close to 20 hours uh, on this DLC slash expansion. Um, you know, obviously that's for the main game. Uh, I did every gig in Don, uh, Dogtown and uh, explored about two endings without spoiling much. And uh, let me tell you, man, Phantom Liberty is strong, strong, strong. Uh, you know, obviously the 2.0 update gave the game a fresh, uh, fresh life in terms of a gameplay perspective. Uh, it's so much better with the new skill trees and whatnot. You know, I used like a katana build, and I was just, oh, it was a lot of fun, man. If you if you make a if you make a reflexes build with the katana, whew, it's a lot of fun. But the great thing is you can play however you like uh, with the new developed uh, skill trees. However, the narrative on Phantom Liberty is nuts, man. I'm telling y'all, I'm not I'm not just hyping it up. Um, even each gig has like a story to it. Like each gig felt like a side quest. Uh, there's, there's decisions and choices to be made at the end of those gigs. And uh, then there's side quests that kind of build up upon those gigs. Like you do a gig later on, that same person will call you again for like, you know, a follow up or to kind of close that storyline. I think that attention to detail is cool. Uh, but just even the main story of Phantom Liberty is awesome. I think, uh, V is better voiced act. Uh, I loved Johnny uh, Silverhand, you know, Keanu Reeves' role in Phantom Liberty a lot more than I loved him in the base game. I think he's used very appropriately. Um, and then Idris Elbra, obviously, as a uh, breed, um, and whoever the voice actress is for Songbird, all did a phenomenal job with their voice acting and nailing down the character. Uh, but overall, the, the, the story here is just the writing. The writing's um, stealing the show. Um, there's a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of decisions you have to make uh, that thoroughly changed a lot of scenarios for me personally. Um, and it was actually very rewarding to see how differently things play out based on the choices you make, which is the recipe for a fucking Western RPG, which is what... This is what I wanted from the base game. So if they can apply what they did to Phantom Liberty on a grander scale for the sequel, 
with Unreal Engine 5 because there is still some frame hiccups and whatnot when, you know, especially during uh, vehicular combat and you go back into Night City as a whole. I think we're, we're in for a hell of a sequel. But yes, Phantom Liberty is dope. Very dope. Um, obviously, narratively, I was talking about Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate 3 and Final Fantasy 16 all being great too. I don't think Spider-Man 2 should be winning the best narrative here. However, this is going to go between Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk, or FF16. I'm going to give it to Phantom Liberty um, just because it's interesting to see uh, you know, a DLC expansion get nominated for something. And I guess that comes back to our conversation about should remakes get... You know, if remakes are getting nominees, so should DLC slash expansion if they're this big. And clearly Phantom Liberty just did, so I think... That's the right move. But yeah, check it out. From someone who's a non-believer in Cyberpunk to what Phantom Liberty is, trust me, it's, it's worth your time and money. Um, the next category we have is Best Art Direction. We have Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Liza P, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and Tears of Kingdom. Now, if there's a game, you know, Xbox should be touting more about is Hi-Fi Rush. Um, it's another game I'm going to play soon. I know it's short, so... Uh, but what a surprise release at the beginning of the year by Tango Gameworks. Obviously, the devs behind Evil Within and uh, uh, Ghostwire. Um, what an awesome surprise! And I love, and I love the the nod to the nod, the 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 O'Day nod the game gave to like older kind of action games in terms of art style and what it represents. I'm gonna give best art direction to Hi-Fi Rush, um, just because I love the way the game looks and everything they did with it. Uh, so Tango, be very proud of your cows there. Uh, best score in music, we have Alan Wake 2, uh, composer pa Petri Alanko, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, Boris Slavov, uh, Final Fantasy 16, uh, Masayoshi Sokin, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, uh, Satsuchi Kobori, sorry if I butcher any of these names, and then Tears of the Kingdom, composed by Nintendo Sound Team, um, this is another tough one. I'm going to give it to FF16 because what I've heard on the composition of that game is very nuts. Best audio design. Uh, obviously different than soundtrack works and scores. Alan Wake 2, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, RE4. I will give this to Alan Wake 2 because like I said, in terms of visual game and audio design, I think that game is pushing it. On all fronts, uh, best performance. We have Ben Starr, Final Fantasy 16, uh, Cameron Monaghan, 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 probably, for Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Interesting to see this game not get nominated for the other category so far. Yikes. Uh, Idris Elba, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Melanie Libert, Alan Wake 2, Neil Newborn, Baldur's Gate 3, and Yuri. Lowenthal from Marvel Spider-Man 2. Again, I am biased. I'm going to go with Idris Elba. Agent Reed is a wonderful character. Wonderful. Innovation accessibility. Um, there's not really much I can touch about this, this uh, category. It says, recognizing software and hardware that pushing the medium forward, by adding feature technology and content to help games be played and enjoyed by even a wider audience. So we have Diablo 4, uh, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Mortal Kombat 1, and Street Fighter 6. Uh, I know Hi-Fi Rush integrated a lot of cool things into it, if I remember correctly. But so are the rest of the games. This is a tough one for me. I'm just going to give it to Hi-Fi Rush. 
what do we have next here? Games for impact. Uh, games with uh, provoking uh, provoking thoughts and pro-social meaning messages. The space for the unbound chance of Sonar. Goodbye, Volcano High. Uh, Tachia, Terra, Nil, and Venba. I'm going to go with Tachia. Again, just another category I don't know much about, but I do like to vote from my limited knowledge of some of these categories. Best ongoing, we have Apex. Apex, Apex. <laughs> we have Apex Legends, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy 16, Fortnite, or Final Fantasy 15. My bad. Fortnite, Genshin Impact. It's interesting Cyberpunk is here because it's not really an ongoing game. It's just more of like a major 2-point update and the expansion. So I would give it to that, but I would be biased. Apex Legends is not going to give a vote simply because there's still no cross-progression in that game. So fuck that game. Um, it's going to have to be between Final Fantasy XV, Fortnite, or Genshin. I always like to give this to Fortnite because they always just keep doing something to that game to make it keep going, don't they? So that's what it gets. Uh, best community support unanimously always goes to Final Fantasy XV for me. Um, just because they have a kick-ass community, community managers, and the development team that actually listens. Uh, best independent game, we have a Cocoon, Dave the Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, and Viewfinder. Um, all five of these games are games I need to play. I haven't heard much about Viewfinder, but I've heard a lot about Cocoon. heard a lot about Dave the Diver, and Dredge, and Sea of Stars. Um, obviously this year, um, I think... Uh, Independent games didn't take a backseat. It's just AAA actually delivered a lot. And obviously not all AAA games were, you know, the quality they deserved to be or lived up to the hype. But there were enough ones that did that I think, you know, some of the indie games got overshadowed this year. But nevertheless, you know, I saw a lot of Dave the Diver, Rave Review, same thing with Cocoon and Dredge, and Sea of Stars. I haven't heard much about Viewfinder. I would research more about that game. It's my apologies. But I'm going to give it a Sea of Stars. And uh, I simply do that because this is, looks like my kind of game. Uh, I, I love the, the the tribute it gave to like the old uh, uh, SNES type of RPG Chrono Trigger love. So uh, Best debut indie game. We have Cocoon, Dredge, Pizza Tower, Event by and Viewfinder. I'm going to give it to Dredge based on what I've seen. It looks cool. Also, for Best Indie Game, apparently Dave the Diver shouldn't even be a nominee because it's published by Nexon or something like that, if I'm uh, reading, the, reading the reports correctly. So, uh, Jeff, we've got to be consistent here, my guy. Um, so, yeah. Best Mobile Game, we have Final Fantasy Ever Crisis, Hello Kitty Adventure, Honkai, Monster Hunter Now, and Terra Nil. I have no idea. I'm just going to give it to Honkai because if I have any gotcha listeners, you're welcome. Best VR AR. Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Call of the Mountain, Humanity, Resident Evil Village VR Mode, and Synapse. I'm going to give it to Resident Evil 8 VR Mode. Heard good things about that. Best Action Game. Uh, Armored Core 6, Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Remnant 2. Uh, Dead Island 2 is actually another game I played this year. I got a code for it. And surprisingly, it was a fun game. So I'm obviously going to talk about the games I've played because I can actually fucking talk about them, right? A lot of fun. Probably gives the same rating I gave Starfield, like a 7.5 actually for that one. Very, very fun gameplay. Very much better than I thought it would be. I'm um, obviously just the, 
the worlds you're in are kind of limited, but they're still uh, sandbox enough. And it was just a fun game. Obviously, it's nothing groundbreaking, nothing going to blow your mind, but it's just fun. So if you ever get a chance to play that game on discount or something like that, which it should be now, definitely check it out. Uh, but I'm definitely going to give this to Armored Core, even though it's not my type of game. Um, I think From Software at this point is just like unanimous with action and they do it well. So that's the most deserving. Uh, best action adventure. We have Alan Wake 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, RE4, Jedi Survivor, Tears of Kingdom. It has to be uh, Tears of Kingdom if we're talking about traversal and puzzle solving. That's what the description says. Best RPG, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, Lies of Peace, Sea of Stars, Starfield. So they actually put Starfield into this category, so don't get too mad. But there's the fanboys. <laughs> got, got nominated somewhere. Uh, let's see. Lies of P is another game I want to play. Probably will game pass it. And now that I have a job, I'm probably just going to subscribe to the game pass permanently. Um, that was me, Baldur's Gate 3, man. I'm sorry. Just, it is what it is. You feel, you smell me. You smell me. Best fighting game. I don't have to even look at any of this. It's Street Fighter 6. Uh, but just to name them off, so in case you were curious, it's God of Rock, Mortal Kombat 1. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 somehow made the cut for this, hey? The legibility cut. Interesting. Uh, Pocket Bravery, Street Fighter 6. Street Fighter 6, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, best family game. We have Disney Illusion Island, which is a, a Switch exclusive, I think, that I want to play. Party Animals, Pikmin 4, Sonic Superstar, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Party Animals is another game I did indeed play, and I, and I actually love this game a lot. I know a lot of people are butthurt about the couch co-op thing. Get over it. It is what it is. But yeah, Party Animals. Best Sim Strategy. You have Advanced Wars, 1-2 Reboot Camp, City Skylines 2, Company of Heroes 3, Fire Emblem Engage, Pikmin 4. Three fucking Nintendo games in this category, so don't they, don't, don't, don't. Don't be telling me they just make the same franchises and the same uh, kid-friendly family games. Cause they, they obviously got some lot of strategy here, too. I'm going to give it to Engage. I know it's not as uh, narrative-heavy or good as uh, Three Houses was. But nevertheless, uh, I know the gameplay is uh, top-notch. So I'm going to give it to that. Best Sports Racing. We have FC24, F123, Forza Motorsport, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, Crew Motorfest. This is literally like four racing games and just one sports game. So it is what it is. I think it just depends on who you ask. Some people love Forza. Some people think the Crew Motorfest is good. Some people like Hot Wheels. Some people like F1. Honestly, EA doesn't really do much with their sports games anymore. But I'm just going to give it to FC24 because I enjoy FIFA regardless. Um, but it's kind of a weak category. Jeff, I'm not going to lie to you, my guy. Best multiplayer. Last year was Splatoon 3. Which was hilarious. This year we have Baldur's Gate 3, Diablo 4, Party Animals, Free Fighter 6, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Party Animals again, because I just love to see the underdog on top. Best Adaptation. Okay, here we go. Castlevania Nocturne, Gran Turismo, Last of Us, the Super Mario Bros. Movie, and Twisted Metal. Uh, surprisingly, we have uh, three PlayStation productions here. And surprisingly, these are all pretty good adaptations. Uh, the only one I have not seen is uh, Castlevania Nocturne, or Twisted Metal, sorry. But I've seen Gran Turismo, I've seen The Last of Us Season 1, I've seen Super Mario Bros. movie. Honestly, Gran Turismo was the one I was shitting on a lot, seeing the trailers and shit. And honestly, it was actually a pretty good movie. Um, 
The Super Mario Bros. movie was not bad. I didn't think it was as good as some people made it seem, but it had some really dope animation to it. But I'm going to go with Last of Us Season 1. Um, the first game is one of my favorites, and I think they just uh, nailed it down to the T. Uh, just great overall. And obviously, it's shot in Alberta. That's my that's my place, y'all. You smell me? So, uh, Most anticipated game. Okay, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Big one. Hades 2. Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Interesting. Star Wars Outlaws and Tekken 8. It has to be Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. If it's me personally, Hades 2 is up there, but I know it's going to be in early access for a while. Tekken 8 is definitely a fighting game I'm going to get day one. Um, Maybe Star Wars Outlaw, hey? Hey? I'm going to vote for that because... I don't have I don't love Star Wars and I don't love Ubisoft, but what I've seen from that game so far is just a man who loves open world third person games. It's very promising. So maybe content creator of the year we have Iron Mouse. People make games Quackity, Spreen, and Cipher. I don't know how they come up with these names. I'm just gonna give it to my boy Cipher, Fortnite Legend. You smell me? Best esports game Counter Strike Two, Dota Two, League of Legends, PUBG Mobile, Valorant. Um. I always give it to Doty. Fell in love with the Doty. Best esports athlete. We have Faker, Zaiwoo, Demon One, Hydra, Ruler, Imperial Hal. Uh, let's just give it to Faker because he's the one named that's synonymous with League of Legends other than Tyler One that I know. So he's always going to get it. Best esports team. Evil Geniuses, Fanatic, Gaming Gladiators, JD Gaming, Team Modality. I don't know any of these. I'm going to give it to Gaming Gladiators because they're representing Dota 2 though. Done. Some of these categories, these last couple ones are interesting. Best esports coach. We have Potter, Zonic, Gunba, X2Q, ZZZ, and Hame. Uh, I do not see a Dota 2 coach here. So we will go with uh, Zonic. That's Counter-Strike, Team Falcons. Why not? And last but not least, the very last category. Oh, never mind. Second to last. Best esports event. Between EVO 2023 and the International Forum, there's a League of Legends World Championship as well. Blast TV, Paris Major, EVO, uh, and Valorant. I'll go with EVO. Because I actually watched EVO this year and the show was fun as hell. And okay, that was the last one. So that's that was the Game Award nominees for 2023. You know, what did you agree with me? What did you disagree with me with? Let me know. And uh, stay tuned for the last segment called Have You Played This? So this week on the first edition of Have You Played This, I want to talk about a game called Spawn Armageddon. Now, I when I was a kid, I played the shit out of this game. And I know it's a rated mature game, so maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. And I wanted to just highlight this game because I don't think it gets talked about a lot. Maybe I'll stream it one of these days, even though no one will probably tune in. But um, I'm looking at the reviews for it, and uh, it got shitted on by uh, critics as well for saying the action being too basic and repetitive and the combos described as lame. Now, it could be just with my nostalgia glasses on, but uh, I thought it was super cool, man. I thought it was uh, fast and stylish combat. Uh, you know, you get these high-breakable items, souls, technique points, uh, comic covers, times, ranks, etc. Kind of what you expect from, like, a hack-and-slash game of, you know, the PS2 era. Um, you have his Agony Axe, which is formed by his K, and he, which is formed by his cape and cut through any demon. Um, obviously, he has his trademark chains as well. And then uh, it can also use uh, firearms. 
Um, obviously, it's not as good as like the God of War games or the Devil May Cry games at that time. But I thought it was like a nice alternative. Um, I also feel like Spawn doesn't usually get a lot of love in general. Just in terms of when it comes to video game adaptations or movie adaptations. Obviously, the animated series. Back on HBO is goaded, but aside from that, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you can use firearms on the stronger demons. Uh, there's various uh, hellish powers. I remember the Necroplasm being one. Um, there's also upgrades. Um, you know, you collect the demon souls to buy various amount of ammunition. And then you can upgrade like his chains or his axe or his pistols. Um, you can also increase his health or Necroplasm bar. Um, I just thought it was just a very fun game. Uh, I remember it being decently long too. It takes about like 12 to 15 hours for a hack and slash. And, uh, you know, maybe this is something that, uh, you know, maybe I'll explore on stream and maybe I'll change my mind about. Um, but yeah, it was uh, published by, uh, let me check here, Namco it says. Developed by Point of View. Uh, let's see what Point of View is. De Point of View is mostly developed uh, NFL Blitz games actually, ready to rumble boxing. And then this randomly did Scorpion King Arises, Actian, and then Spawn Armageddon, and then they just went back to more sports games, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, check it out if you've never seen Spawn Armageddon. I guess it's kind of hard nowadays to get your hands on a PS2 or a GameCube or Xbox. Um, but there is other ways to play. If you know, you know. Or at least check it out on YouTube for the very less. Uh, I thought it was a great licensed game. And, uh, like I said, this segment's always going to focus on games that kind of, not, that are more unknown or got overlooked or not necessarily like the most critically received, um, but just nostalgia trips or games that I thought, you know, are worth mentioning that there's some sort of recognition. Um, so on this week's, have you played this, uh, Spawn Armageddon folks. And if there's, uh, any games you want to talk about or want me to, you know, be notified about or that will click into my brain like oh yeah i remember this or like maybe i want to the game myself and i'll be like hey maybe i should check this out and play it myself uh please let me know and uh yeah if you're looking to be a guest on the show or want to come on board and talk you know during this segment or anything else you know i can tell you what the topics will be and you can come on and shoot your shit with me please let me know like i said the best place to find me is on twitter um, I think on my Twitter handle, I had to make it something crazy like uh, digital, digital downtime pod. So you can find me there or uh, digital downtime podcast at gmail.com. Obviously YouTube comments work as well. Um, you can find me on my personal socials at Gilly PG. If you want to get, um, any information about regarding to be on the show, um, obviously in the future, I would love to have, uh, streamers on here developers publishers whatever the case might be anything related to gaming just talk about gaming um but yeah um i don't know what the specific words are for a podcast i know for youtube videos like like comment subscribe um but i guess for here it's uh make sure you like the podcast whatever you're listening it on make sure you subscribe to it uh, and make sure you just spread the word about it you know tell your friends post about it on social media etc etc just uh, let them know about it. Um, obviously, this is something new for me. Aside from, you know, if you didn't know, which you know, not everyone is going to know. I've been making music since about 2008. I've been streaming about since 2020. And I did tackle a podcast previously. Uh, but it was more so just like on video, Twitch format, interviews and whatnot. So this is uh, my first honest attempt at, you know, doing a legit podcast. So thank you guys 
for tuning in with me on the ride this time. Hope you enjoyed talking about the game of the year more in depth and the other game award nominations for this year. Um, new episodes every Friday. Um, in the next couple uh, episodes, uh, we'll be discussing uh, what 2024 means for Xbox because uh, they might be having a big year. And then we'll also be having an episode uh, particularly focusing on Naughty Dog and what they've been doing for the PS5 generation. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, I'll be telling more about what future uh, podcast topics will be. Um, But for now, for the very first episode of Digital Downtime, thank you for joining me. I go by the name of Prince Gale, a.k.a. Gilly. See you next time. Thank you very much.